the first idea or the first project or the first business idea that you have isn't probably where you're going to end up five years from now, maybe not even six months from now, but it's kind of giving yourself permission to get started. Um, recognizing that opportunities tend to come up once you're in motion. It's like the it's like Newton's uh, entrepreneurial physics, like an object in motion stays in motion. And I've seen it to be true over and over again. Hello and welcome to the Self-Made Web Designer Podcast, episode number seven. And while so much has changed from episode six to where we are today, the world has gone crazy and for good reason. There's a virus going around that has caused a pandemic. Many of you, if you're like me, you're finding yourself working from home full time and your kids have been caught out of school for pretty much the rest of the year. And so it's it's a crazy time we're living in. It's a crazy world. And when I initially recorded this podcast, none of that was happening. But thankfully, the guest that I have on today is perfect for the season that we are in. His name is Nick Loper, and he is the leader, the founder of Side Hustle Nation. He's got an amazing podcast called The Side Hustle Podcast. He's got a blog. He has a course. He has a ton of resources for everyone out there trying to figure out what to do right now when they find themselves either without work or work hours decreased or in a situation where you're saying, you know what, this is enough motivation for me to figure out something new in this next season of my life. I know he's going to have a lot of great insight for you to start a side hustle, whether it's a web design side hustle, a development side hustle, a product design side hustle, or anything all of the above Nick has experience in, and he's talked with a lot of people who have been successful doing the exact same thing. I can't wait for you to hear what kind of insight he has. Without further ado, here is Nick Loper of the Side Hustle Nation. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today. Such an honor to talk to you. Well, I'm honored to be here. Thanks for the invite, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if you could just share a little bit uh, about yourself, about what you do with Side Hustle Nation and, and how that all got started and where you are today. You bet. Here is the uh, hopefully 60-second rundown. I am uh, a husband and a father. We've got two kid, two boys. They're four and almost two. So I spend a lot of time chasing those guys around. A ton of fun uh, at this age and a lot of um, drama as well, but comes with the territory. Uh, Business-wise, I host the Side Hustle Show and run uh, SideHustleNation.com, which is 100% focused on just creative ways to make extra money outside of your day job, how to start a business in your spare time, and um, and go from there. The show is 300-something episodes deep, and it's just been an absolute blast over the last six or seven years to dive into uh, this market. Tell me a little bit about where the idea of the podcast got started, you probably have some background of doing your own side hustle. So what did that look like for you? You're right. It was a side project for the business that I was running at the time. That was the original side hustle that actually was the vehicle that let me quit my job. So that was a comparison shopping site for footwear. Like um, we'll pull in the catalogs from Zappos and Amazon, all these stores, spit back out and we had all these cool like product level uh, coupon integrations and shipping calculators and stuff. Hey, here's where you can get the best price on your next pair of shoes. We'll collect a commission on every sale that comes through the site. Um, Super fun business, ran it for a 
long time on the side from that started a bunch of other projects most of which you know died some quiet death in a corner of the internet a couple of them stuck around one of those being the blog and podcast and that was yeah totally just part-time experiment 50 dollars my tap tap you know is this thing on let's see if this works and i found it was something that i really enjoyed doing and so i just enough traction you know in those early days early years honestly to to keep doing it I feel like a lot of where the workforce is going and you see this trend um, in more and more reports coming out that people aren't depending on their full-time career for the complete source of their income. And side hustling is is becoming not just a, a fun thing to do, but it's it's in some ways becoming an important part of a lot of people's lives. And, and I'm sure you've probably seen that with people that you've interviewed and, and people that you've interacted with from Side Hustle Nation. Yeah, for for better or worse, right? Like it's a weird time because it's by all measures, you know, you know, taking aside the, the blip in the market in this past week, but like, you know, decade long bull market, record low unemployment, like by all accounts, like the economy is good. Yet why do half of all millennials have a side hustle like why is there 44 million people like doing this stuff on the side and part of it is out of necessity right um housing costs education costs healthcare costs like all have increased exponentially over the last 30 years while real time or real wages have not nearly kept pace so that's part of it um and the other part is just out of the desire. Like we kind of see through the lens of social media, like what other people are doing. We see what's possible and we're like, well, I should be doing that. I, like there's almost this, these dual poles, like part necessity and then part like proactive, like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And this is something that I want to spend my free time on more productively and, uh, and give my piece of the pie to. You said something um, early on about um, how you found that you actually learned that you enjoyed podcasting. And so that was where some of the traction came from for side hustle, the side hustle podcast. And, and I think that's a, an, an important thing to understand um, because I think a lot of people, when they start their side hustle, they think, Oh man, this is going to go viral. Like it's going to have tons of traction. And then that doesn't happen within the first month or so. And so they get discouraged and, and they quit. Um, so, so what would you say is something you'd encourage people who are considering getting started with a web design side hustle, um, in, and maybe not getting as much traction as they'd like? And that's an interesting question. It's like, you're kind of like in this client hunting mode where you can go out and, and be proactive. And I encourage you to be proactive in like trying to interact with your target customers and like, you know, pitch your services. So that's like, the push marketing side of it. But then there's also the pull marketing side of it. It's like, what if you created content for that target audience that made you irresistible? And like, they almost had to uh, say like, well, what does this guy do? Or like, how do I, how do I work with this guy? So a couple of different ways to go about it. And it honestly can work both ways. And maybe then the third way is kind of the marketplace model of, you know, selling your services on freelance marketplaces, again, for better or worse, where people are already looking. Like the reason they're there is because they don't have a go-to guy or girl. Like if they had that person, they wouldn't be there. Like it's an opportunity to open the door to that relationship, to access somebody else's network. Maybe you're not getting the rates that you want to, especially at first, if you don't have the whole portfolio and stuff set up. But there's 
is a, there's a lot of benefits to doing it that way too. So you've interviewed hundreds of side hustlers, and I'd, I'd wonder from your perspective, what are some things that you have found that that sets people apart who have been really successful at starting and maintaining a side hustle? Oh my gosh, uh, we'll get to the maintaining part, I, I think, in a little bit. But the starting part, um, one thing that stands out is a willingness to uh, experiment or a willingness to try something out, not knowing the the end result. Whereas, and I'm I'm a little bit guilty of this too, and I think I'm more conservative as I've aged, but you don't, you don't know. And you got to be okay with not knowing and kind of sticking your neck out there in a way. And this probably, I, I probably should have started the show years before I did, but it was like, you know, th- what, what are my friends going to think? Like, who is this guy? He's not that successful. Like, who is he to talk about this stuff? Like all these kind of head games that we play with ourselves. The folks who have gotten off the sidelines have gotten past that. And they say, look, I'm going to put this out there. If it works, it doesn't. Either way, I'm going to learn something. I can go back to the drawing board. So that's one thing that definitely stands out. I'm trying to think what else may be a determining factor. I mean, the other one that kind of comes up over and over again is recognizing that the first idea or the first project or the first business idea that you have isn't probably where you're going to end up five years from now, maybe not even six months from now, but it's kind of giving yourself permission to get started. Um, recognizing that opportunities tend to come up once you're in motion. It's like the it's like Newton's uh, entrepreneurial physics, like an object in motion stays in motion. And I've seen it to be true over and over again. And and you mentioned that it's a, it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to put yourself out there to start looking for clients. It's it's scary to feel like you're you're selling yourself or you're pitching yourself. What ha, what have you found that has helped you get past those head games that has helped you just figure out a way to keep going despite great discouragement or, you know, despite, I'm sure you probably have people, um, that speak negatively of you online. Like what, what helps you to get past all that? Yeah. I don't know about you, but I created a little folder in Gmail called hate mail and it doesn't have a ton in there, but occasionally I'll get something, just file that one away. Um, it's, I don't know, it doesn't happen much, but it's like kind of the, the driving motivating factor. Like, why are you doing this? Why did you choose to start this thing? You could be sitting there watching Netflix. It could be, there's a million other things you could be doing, but like, instead you're taking this harder path. Why? Like, what is that ultimately going to afford you? And for me, it, especially in the early days, it was like a way out. Like for whatever reason, I felt really, I don't even know the right word. Like it just it really like irked me to have to ask my boss if I could take vacation. Like, hey, two months down the road, like, would it be cool if I maybe took a couple days off? Like, it just felt, it felt like lame to have to even ask. So I was like, I want to be in control of my own schedule. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but that's like my ultimate goal. Um, So that was a really powerful uh, motivating force. And today, you know, it's how, how can I, be there for my kids. Like, again, it's still over, you know, control over your calendar, but the, the emails that you get from readers and listeners, like, Hey, I listened to episode blah, blah, blah. And now I'm making a thousand bucks a month. Like people you run into at conferences, like they, the show changed my life. Like that stuff is super motivating to keep going, especially when you're having kind of like a, uh, a rough day or you get one of those hate mail uh, emails. Like there's recognized there are people. And I also have a tag, uh, called testimonials. And so, to balance those out. And there's a lot more in the testimonial camp. So those, those are kind of things that 
help me keep going. I don't know. Like, let me turn that one around. Like what, what do you find on those down days or when a project doesn't hit the way you wanted it to? Like what, what have you found helpful? Yeah. No, I mean, I'd say I really resonate with what, with what, how you answered, you know, like for me, it's, it's looking about at the big picture of, of why I'm doing it, you know, and, and seeing myself as, as someone who is trying to give rather than someone who's trying to take from people, you know, and, and some people are going to appreciate that. And some people, some people aren't, some clients are going to love what I have to do. Um, and then some clients aren't going to necessarily be grateful. If not, they're going to be downright abhorrent of who I am and everything I stand <laughs> for, for some reason or another. And so, you know, it, it takes a little bit of grit. Sometimes for me, it takes it, putting my head down and going, this has to be worth it one day, <laughs> you know, and uh, it, because I think there are seasons in any business where you're like, I, I don't, I don't, this doesn't feel worth it, you know? Yeah. And, and and I've seen the people that have pushed past those days are the ones that end up finding finding real success. So so yeah, I totally resonate with what you're saying. It helps when you're you find yourself in in flow and like for me, and it's it doesn't happen every day, but like for me, it's like I can find myself like writing a blog post. Like may not be the most heavy like keyword research optimized post, but it's like, ah, oh, you know, if you kind of get into the zone and you're working from an outline and you're like putting in the pictures and you know, just like you get into it and it's like, wow, that was, that was like legitimately fun work. And it's like a couple years ago, it's like learning how to work with this video editing software. I was making like an active campaign demo video. And I was like learning how to like zoom in and like blur out because it was like people's actual email addresses, like how to blur out sections of the screen. I was like, I never did that before. So like kind of learning new things like that always is motivating for me too. So you, you mentioned spending time with your family and that being a motivating factor. What does that look like for you with a side hustle and navigating having a family, having, having two kids, having a wife, having responsibilities? Because there's a lot of people that I've talked to that would love to start something. They would love to start a, a, a web design side hustle but they're having a hard time seeing how it's going to play out practically in their lives. Yeah, it, it's definitely a factor and it definitely helps uh, that almost all this stuff started before there were kids in the picture. So definitely an advantage. Not saying it can't be done because I talk to people all the time like, hey, I've got six kids and this is what I built. Like, good on you, man. Like, I don't get anything done, you know, when they're home with just two. But like, man, amazing. Um Actually, um, you know, Brian, what's his name? Um, Brian Johnson, I think, is he runs a site called optimize.me. And so if you if the end game is, you know, I want to have freedom over my calendar 24 hours a day, like it's a it's a sliding scale or a spectrum. It's like probably not very many people are ever gonna get to the full 24 hours. There's always gonna be other demands on your time. But very few people are you know, fully at the other end, like I'm just in reactive mode full 24 hours. Like I have zero minutes for myself. So I think you can begin to, and call it freedom time. Like if that's the end goal, like 15 minutes here, half an hour here, waking up an hour earlier has been huge for me in the last probably 12 months is like trying to get up, get up before the kids and just like do a quick workout, like empty the dishwasher, like dumb stuff, but like just puts me in such a better place to start the day. Um, and I think you could use that time to move some projects forward proactively. And, and you mentioned working from working from the end perspective. So 
I, I think a lot of web designers, they, they start doing web design for a certain reason. And then along the way, there's, there's, there's kind of a, a, a vision shift and, and things begin to get maybe even slightly off path from the direction that we're trying to go in the first place. What have you found for yourself and what have you seen from other side hustlers that has helped people to stay on the straight and narrow to the end goal of what they're trying to accomplish? I guess keeping that goal in mind, but it's like this duality of being flexible if something interesting comes up. It's like that, not not necessarily like shiny object syndrome, but like being being open to the conversation. They're like, what's, you know, what's over there? Um, because in the early days of the blog and podcast, I thought it was going to be, look, I'll be the uh, guinea pig. I'll test this stuff out. I'll report back on what works, what doesn't, like all these different side hustles. And for the first few years, like I did a lot of that, like did freelancing, I sold stuff on Fiverr, sold stuff on eBay and Amazon and um, did some other freelancing work. Like it was, it was interesting and it, it was fun, especially at that time. Like it was cool to kind of piece together uh, a living and not have to go get, get a real job because the shoe business was kind of uh, down and out um, probably a year and a half into the side hustle nation project. So that was, um, that was definitely part of it. But it's just trying to figure out how to, how to keep it going and sustain it. So, so let's take it back to, to the beginning for someone who is, is just looking at getting started um, with, let's say, a web design side hustle, since this is a web design podcast. Okay. Um, so appreciate tell, you having me on, not being a web designer, by the way. Well, I, you know, and, and we were talking about this before the show started. I, you know, I, I appreciate what you bring for perspectives for anybody starting a side hustle. And I think it, it'd be something that's super important um, for anybody to understand, but, but certainly for web designers or UX designers or product designers who are trying to look into starting a side hustle. Because I've found that there are even some people who are incredible web designers that do this for their full-time job, but have a, a tough time taking it after hours. You know, they have a tough time making it into a side hustle thing. It is. It's like that constant battle of, well, outside of a corporate environment, who do I serve? How much do I charge? Like, how do I find these customers? Like, all of a sudden, there's a lot more moving parts to the business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so talk about that. What what would your encouragement be for somebody, let's say, who is a web designer and it's their full time job, but they're looking to get started with a side hustle? Okay, I've got I've got three ideas uh, to uh, to kick around with you and see what you think of these. The first is, um, and actually just did an interview with this with this guy actually a few months ago so his uh his business is a pr agency so swap out pr agency pr agency for you know web design business what he ended up doing was uh reaching out to his target customers on linkedin saying um you, you know we like to work with solo solo business owners or business owners like in this space like he kind of had this sweet spot that he liked to target and you, you may have the same and Instead of, you know, doing the, would you like to connect, you know, kind of like this pitch that everyone does on LinkedIn, his pitch was like, hey, I've got a podcast called The Thoughtful Entrepreneur. I'd love for you to be a guest. You seem like the ideal guest for my show. And so what he was doing was having these, you know, half hour podcast interviews where the guest is telling them their story. And he was like, Nick you know what that interview is? It's a lot like a first sales call might be like, hey, you know, what are you working on? What are, you know? And so he kind of got this whole rapport building uh, out of the way. Never really had to pitch his service, but it just kind of came up naturally. Like, hey, 
by the way, like, this is what I do. Like, would you be interested in getting more media mentions? Like, you know, who's going to say no to that? And like, here's what a conversation might lead to. So that's uh, option number one. If you have the bandwidth for it, I think that was a really creative way to break through the clutter. Like instead of, um, you know, leading with an ask, like, hey, buy my stuff, leading with a give, like, hey, I want to feature you. I think you're cool. I think your business is awesome. Can I feature you on my podcast? So that was cool. Uh, the other one comes from Kai Davis, who is kind of like in the Shopify SEO space, runs a site called kaidavis.com. His uh, tactic or one of his tactics was uh, called portfolio reconnaissance. And this was uh, scouring the portfolios of complementary service providers to see if you could find ideal client matches because you know that uh, they're already spending money on uh, vendor services and you, you could visually see their website like does this need my help or something like that so I thought that was cool and then the third way going back to LinkedIn uh, I don't know if you talked to Helen uh, Pritchard on the show HelenPritchard.com fascinating LinkedIn strategist where it was about crafting your portfolio such that it spoke exactly to that target customer you talked about doing uh like we do uh wedding design or web web design for you know brides to be or for wedding photographer you know wh whoever it is right and so if you have that in your subject line and in your cover image like i do web design for uh wedding photographers and then you reach out to everyone who has wedding photographer in their title and you invite them to connect she said like don't do more than 10 a day because you might get your account might get flagged but they're going to accept that invitation because they, they're like, oh, this person is in my niche. Like, no, she's like, I don't send a personalized message. I don't send direct messages. Like, I don't do any of that. Just like they see my profile. They like they might need what I have. Right. And then she's publishing content on LinkedIn related to her business because now it shows up in their feed. And over time, like you start to build this audience that you've hand selected of people who are your exact target market. So I thought that was a really creative way to go about it. Yeah, that's awesome. And to me, it's it's finding a way, like you said, to to speak through the noise because I think people are are getting marketed to so heavily these days that uh, uh, reaching out on a on a cold email, a cold direct message, it's going to be really challenging. And so you have to figure out a way to differentiate yourself from the rest of the people who are doing that because people are inundated all day. I'm inundated all day with people who are trying to get me to buy a service. Some people are trying to get me to buy web design services and I'm like, I'm a web designer, right? You know, like, <laughs> like did, you, did you not see the URL? Right, you know, <laughs> so some of it is just being intentional, you know, and, and actually reading through who it is that you're about to look, reach out to and and figure out a way to speak directly to them like you care about them and you're not just trying to get their business. Let's talk about sustainability, and I think you've kind of spoken to it um, a little bit throughout the show, but what have you found to be important for people to keep from, from burning out with their side hustle? You know, and, and maybe a, a spinoff question from that, when do you know your side hustle should go to your full-time gig? Uh, well, I'll tackle that part first because that's probably the easier one. Um, for me, it was when I had a track record of revenue that you know, for the last six or 12 months had covered my expenses. Maybe it had fully replaced my, you know, day job salary just yet. But I thought with an extra 40 hours a week to dedicate to it, like, oh, I can get there uh, and, and go beyond that. So that's kind of where I would draw the line. Um, you know, make sure you have 
some runway, make sure you have like your emergency fund and all that stuff. Um, you know, do, do it the smart way. But for me, that was kind of the, the math that, that I felt comfortable with. Um, as far as st- sustainability and burnout, we talked about finding your kind of underlying motivating why, like, why are you doing this? I think that was going to get you through a lot of hard times. I think it's setting boundaries around when it is acceptable to do work because hustle for me has never been about working 24 seven. It's about controlling what you can control. And it actually comes from an old baseball coach of mine who's like, look, you're going to have bad days at the plate. You can have bad days in the field, but hustle never slumps. It's this one element of your game that you can always control your own effort. And you know, setting boundaries around that and saying like, look, I have this shutdown routine or like, you know, this is my dedicated time to do that and blocking off time on the calendar. Cause it's like, what is is somebody's law? It's like work expands to the time, uh, you know, that you have to do it. So if you're, uh, if you're dedicated to sticking to like, well, this is, I have 10 hours a week to run this thing. And like, that's all it's going to be. So, so what does that what does that look like for you? And and I've talked about this a little bit on my podcast as well. But like, I reserve a specific day a week um, that like it's I, it, work doesn't touch it, you know. And and there's some caveats to that because if something explodes and I have to figure out something for a client, then obviously you know I, I would do that. Um, yeah. But how how have you worked that out practically in your own life? So for me, I work kind of a four day a week schedule while the kids are at preschool. So that's Monday through Thursday in my case, pretty regularly uh, eight to five ish with with Wednesdays kind of being a lighter day. Like I'll go bike downtown and try and go to yoga and work from the coffee shop and stuff like that. Um, But generally eight to five Monday through Thursday. And I've tried to do what I'll call theme days where, you know, so I've got um, Tuesday set aside for meetings, basically bell to bell. Um, but trying not to take meetings the other days. So that frees up more deep work time. Monday I've set aside for content creation, kind of, uh, finalizing podcast episodes, you know, writing blog content or outlining blog content and sending off to writers. Wednesday is kind of like for my other side projects and some administrative stuff. And then Thursdays, theoretically earmarked for kind of like side hustle growth projects. So over the course of the last year, that was like rewriting the side hustle book, which is free on Amazon, sidehustlenation.com slash book. It's, um, it was like creating this uh, start my side hustle course. So kind of like those longer term projects where you're never going to find, you know, pockets of 15, 20 minutes, you know, to work on during the week. It's like those are theoretically earmarked for Thursdays uh, in my schedule. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I love the concept of of blocking out days for specific tasks, you know. The big the biggest one like take it or leave it the theme day thing, the biggest one was the meetings. And so I used to have my calendar wide open, people could book 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there, and it was just like and I'd find myself, well, I got I only got half an hour before my next call. Like what am I going to what can I really get done, you know? And so that that's made a huge difference just in terms of the deep work sessions on the on the other days. Yeah. Is that something that you started doing initially or is that something that you found out as time went on that you started to look back and go, okay, here are a few themes in my work week that I can kind of chunk together? It's definitely been an evolution and the theme day system was something I picked up from Mike Vardy who runs uh, productivityist.com. What are some ways that you have found that um, web designers might make money outside of just building websites or apps for people? Because you mentioned, you know, your first idea 
might not always be your last idea. Like you might get to a place and then pivot and that's when you really find like, okay, this is this is what I was meant to do and this is where where everything is firing on all cylinders. So Oh, okay, okay. What what might you encourage somebody who is a web designer who's maybe looking to have other sources of income in their business? Well, the the you know, the one that comes to mind is like, well, I know I can help other web designers start a web design business. That's like the meta example from Chris here. There are the like software tutorial um, type of classes that you see on Skillshare, that you see on Udemy. Kind of a competitive space today with some pretty well-established players and you know Adobe certified pros and all that stuff, but a viable option. Uh, a pivot on that would be uh, to take it to YouTube instead and to answer product-specific questions. And, okay, can I set myself up as an expert on this particular software tool that I love? Um, and maybe it's not the big ones. Maybe it's like an up-and-coming software. Like I talked to a guy who was just a fanboy of Asana. Like in the early days, like he was an early adopter. He's like, this is so cool. And so he made all these like YouTube videos for like how to do such and such in Asana. And he would introduce the videos like, hey, my name's Paul, I'm an Asana consultant, and blah, blah, blah. Like, had no clients at the beginning, but like, that's how he how he spun it. And actually, through his content, ended up landing a bunch of clients uh, through that. So it's like, okay, maybe there's a software consulting angle aside from just uh, the web design stuff. And then, like, if you have design skills, there's this whole realm of product creation that is open to you, whether that's selling themes on ThemeForest, whether that's creating uh, print-on-demand products for Amazon or Redbubble, or even, you know, you could do an uh, Etsy integration with uh, with Printful and some of these other ones, where it's like, if you have those design skills, which I definitely did not, like, there's this whole world uh, that opens up to you. And, and some of them, where was this? It was like on Creative Market or someplace, where one of the designers, and it was graphic design, not web design, but she like was doing all this client work, and she would take her scraps, she'd take like the stuff that the client didn't want, the designs they were like, ah, eh, it's not really our thing. Put up, she put her scraps up for sale on the market, and it sold like a million dollars worth or something. It was just like I thought it was still good work, you know. I didn't want to throw it away, you know, to some garbage heap of of the you know desktop. So um, I think those are really compelling models to try and uh, maybe build something that's a little more passive. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Nick, thank you so much for being on the Self-Made Web Designer podcast today. Really appreciate your insight and input. If someone's trying to find you, uh, where where would they go? Well, of course, we'd have, uh, love to have you tune into the Side Hustle Show, which is uh, available in your favorite podcast player app. And just SideHustleNation.com is the home base for me. Um, there might be some design stuff in the archives. I'll have to dig it up and uh, see if I can point you there. Well, thanks again. I hope to have you on the call again someday when things have uh, kind of stretched out for you in the future and see where you're at and see what kind of insight we can get from you. But really appreciate you. It sounds good. Thanks. Man, such great insight from Nick from SideHustleNation.com. I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, visit his website, check out his free resources and subscribe to his podcast. I know I've listened to it for years now and I know that you will get a lot from all the guests that he has on and everything that he has to share about starting his own side hustles. And hey, if you haven't yet, I would love if you left 
some feedback and a rating for the Self-Made Web Designer podcast. I love what Ian Dev 200 said. He said, to say the least, Chris is so easy to listen to and always has the best insight. So helpful to hear all of the guests experience and would recommend to beginner web developers and advanced as well. Hey, Ian, thank you so much for leaving a review. And uh, want to encourage you to do the same. You might just get a shout out from, from me on uh, the Self-Made Web Designer podcast. You never know. Hey, we're going to have another episode starting next week, Tuesday. It drops at midnight if you want to stay up and just listen to it if you're a night owl like I am. But no matter what, so excited that you came with me on this journey this week. Hope you got a lot out of it and can't wait to see you next week.